worship tonight. Um, it's Psalm 134. It's, it's just three verses. Um, it's a song of ascents. <clears throat> and it just says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. So he says, he starts off by saying, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. How many of us are servants of the Lord tonight? Yeah. Are we ministering by night in the house of the Lord? We are. And then it says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. So uh, we have no announcements tonight. So would you please stand and let's raise our hands up to the Lord. Father God, we praise you tonight as your servants. We who minister in your house tonight, we lift our hands in the sanctuary and we praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. May the Lord, the maker of heaven, bless us from Zion tonight as we lift up the name of Jesus. Yes, King of kings and Lord of lords, we honor you, we praise you tonight. Thank you for receiving our worship. Hallelujah.
to your house, God, and not only worship you, Father, but have fun doing it. God, we thank you for the freedom to praise your holy name, God. Father, we love you tonight, God. We need your guiding hand, Father. God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you, Lord. That's 
said to me once that singing a song was almost like praying twice if you pray this if you sing the scripture something to that effect and I think that songs well I know that songs that are scripturally based they're just a little more powerful than the songs that we hear on the radio all the time It just hits a little bit different in our spirits, in our souls. For me, anyway, it connects me just a little bit closer. Maybe that was just for me. Go ahead, Pastor. I just really sense if it's okay. Um, I don't think God's done with us worshiping a little bit tonight. How many of you guys sense God's presence here tonight? Let's do a little bit more worship tonight. I'm going to put you on the spot. She does such a great job, doesn't she? And the whole team up there, I just appreciate you guys. If something that comes to your heart, let's just, let's just do a little bit more worship, if you don't mind. Yeah. Anything? No, no, you just, whatever drops in your heart.
Father, we thank you for that peace that transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we just uh, bring that before you. We thank you that you're here with us, that your presence is with us. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
blessed assurance. But you guys mind singing. You don't have to stand just wherever you're at. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a fortune.
you are blessed assurance. Jesus, you are ours, and we are yours. Oh, Lord, we sing the song to you. We praise your holy name. We glorify you for this evening and this night that we're in your house. Thank you, Lord, that your agenda is not our agenda. What you want to do is what you want to do. And so, Father, we thank you for who you want to touch, who you want to minister to, and who you want to set free. We thank you for that tonight. In the mighty, awesome name of Jesus and all of his church said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Julie, for doing that. Oh, isn't God good? All the time. God is good. You know, that's what church is about. Um, you know, God will set aside our agenda for what he wants. You know, I, I think of how many times um, when Jesus was traveling and he would, uh, he would look to the ones that are hurting, those that are struggling, those that are going through things, and he'd set aside whatever's going on and, and minister to those individuals. So, all right, so we're in uh, the book of James. Um, he's going to help me get there. She's going to, LaDonna's going to help me get there. But we're in James chapter 4. Uh, last week we talked about submitting ourselves to God, submission to God. We talked about quarrels and fights and the things that cause strife within the church. Uh, it all comes back down to pretty much pride, uh, being adult, adulterous uh, against God is loving the world or being friends with the world. That doesn't mean you're not in the world. You are in the world, but you're not friends of the world. Uh, and you guys know the difference of that. I mean, you've got to be friends with people that don't know Jesus because how are they going to come to Jesus? What he's saying is don't do what the world does. Um, I, I've shared this before, but I want to share it again. I heard a message probably about five years ago from Chuck Swindoll. And you don't know, if he's getting up in his years and he's been preaching for a long time. And he said, the difference from the church today versus then. He said, sin has always been around. A lot of these things have always been happening. He said, the difference between then and now is a lot of the things that we used to call sin, the church accepts. So again, we don't want to be adulterous people against God. We don't want to do what the world does. And we don't want to become an enemy of God. So we looked at that last week. We talked about how do we handle that? Well, we submit ourselves to God. We, we uh, resist the devil. We flee. Uh, not, he flees from us, but we come near to God. We repent. We get our lives right with him. And we grieve and mourn. And we change our laughter to mourning and our joy to gloom. So that's kind of what we looked at last week. Humility, humbling ourselves before the Lord. This week, we're going to look at a few things. And it um, i got to get back to my title. Where's my title at here? Do you know where the title is? There it is. So faith in motion. Um, I can read it up here. It says, get rid of slander and bragging and get God's plan. So get rid of slander, bragging, and get God's plan. That's what James is re, uh, dealing with in this next part. That You can tell this is a pastor writing because he's dealing with a lot of different issues. And uh, pastors do that, right? We deal with a lot of different issues, and not just in other people's lives, but our own lives. So, I love that my daughter laughed at that. But we're in verses uh, 11 through 17, so we're going we're gonna to read this and we're going to pray. James 4, 11, 
He says, brothers, do not slander, anyone, uh, slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say tomorrow or today we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And it is, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone who then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for us that have come together tonight to study your word, to worship you, to honor you in this place. Father, give us good understanding of your word tonight. Open up the eyes of our hearts Open up our ears to hear and to listen to what your spirit is saying to each of us tonight. Father, I thank you that your word, again, it doesn't go out and it does not return to you empty. It goes out and accomplishes what you meant it to do. And so, Father, I pray that your word would penetrate each of us tonight. And Lord, you have a way of speaking to each of us differently. Uh, the same message could speak to one person differently than to another because your Holy Spirit deals with our hearts. So Father, give us soft hearts tonight. Plow up the unplowed ground in our heart. If our heart has become hard to the word and to the things of you, plow up that unplowed heart. And Father, help us again to listen to you. And as your preacher tonight, as your vessel, speak through me what you wanna say. Help me get out of the way in Jesus' name, amen. So, I have no idea why it's not coming up on the back screen there. Gary, can you, you got it for me? Is it, is it, fro there we go. So the first thing he says is get rid of what? Slander. James says do not slander. Again, he's speaking to believers within a church. The church that he had passed, remember again, I sh I'll share it again. They had been scattered. And so now he's having to write letters to them to give them correction and rebuke and love on them and be a pastor and shepherd them from a distance. Could you imagine pastoring a church from, I could not imagine that, pastoring a church from, well, I take that back. We do know that. It's called, it was called COVID like three years ago, right? I had to pastor while I built my girls a tree house in the backyard. But that's what he's doing, and he's giving them information. And the first thing he says is, James says, do not slander. Look at verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. So what does slander mean? The word slander here comes from the Greek word, which means to speak against one, to criminate, traduce, or speak evil of, or speak against. Speak evil translates the ancient Greek word, and I'm not going to say it. It's a, I, I, anybody wants to try, you can. It's a, I'll try my best. Katalalia. How's that sound? That sound pretty good? Is the sin of those who meet in corners and gather in little groups 
and pass a confidential information which destroys the good name of those who are not there to defend themselves. William Barclay. Did you get that? Let me read it again. Speak evil translates, it is the sin of those who meet in corners and gather in little groups. Hey, guess what? You know, this person really upset me the other day. Do you know what they did? Right? And they gather in little groups and pass confidential information. Don't let them know. Listen, usually the person that says don't let anybody else know is usually the one that talks. Right? Have you ever passed information to somebody who said, please don't tell anybody? By the end of the week, what happens? Everybody knows. I've done it. I've done it. I'll admit it. I, I stand up here as your pastor. I've done that before. And I have reaped the consequences of it. I'm going to ask for you to raise hands. How many have done that before and reaped the consequences of it? And that, that's what we call uh, foot and mouth disease. Right? You open up mouth, insert foot. And a foot probably doesn't taste good. So you're past confidential information. You don't want anybody to know about it. But it's meant to destroy the good name of those who are not there to defend themselves. Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's part of the Ten Commandments, right? That's what that is. Slanders false witness against your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody, each other. Look at this, Proverbs 20, 19. A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. Yeah, I like that translation. A gossip goes around telling secrets. Hey, guess what happened here? We call those Karens. Everybody know what a Karen is? So there's a name today. There's that, always that person in the neighborhood that's the Karen that wants to know everybody's business and wants to tell everybody else. We, we've had some Karens in our neighborhoods before. I'm not going to mention names because they would, if they're watching on TV, then what I'm doing is chattering. But we've had some Karens before. So gossip goes around telling secrets. And then he says, so don't hang around with chatterers. Proverbs 2019 goes on to say, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple blabbler. That's a different translation. Slander is simply lying about someone with the intent of causing others to view that person in the negative light. And I got that from gotquestionsministry.com. Org. So slander, and I like this definition, slander is simply lying about somebody or someone with the intent of causing others to view that person in a negative light. And I'm going to tell you, all of, all of us have done that. Every single one of us in this room has done that in our lifetime. And the consequences of that is you reap what you sow. Right? Anybody believe in reaping what you sow that's biblical? I remember listening to a pastor one year, and, and he was talking about that, and somebody had spoke about him, and he goes, I'm probably reaping what I sowed years ago. And it's the truth. So James says, do not lie about somebody else. Don't lie in the intent of causing others to view a negative uh, outlook on them. So he says, brothers, do not slander one another. So obviously this was going on in the church. Remember, he's speaking to the church. It, again, I've shared this with you, but there were a lot of problems in the early church. Everybody says, we need to go back to the early church. 
Guys, the early church had a lot of problems. Why do you think the letters were written in the Bible? Paul wrote those letters to deal with what? Problems. And the problem is, is that we're all imperfect people. I had somebody go, I don't go to church because they're just all, they're all, you know, they're just not nice. I can't remember the word that they used, but basically they were saying we're all hypocrites. And I told them, I said, well, let me tell you something. You're never going to find a perfect church this side of heaven. Because the church is made up of imperfect people. We're made up of imperfect people. So if you get offended in a church, the issue is not the church, it's you. Right? It really is. So James says, don't say bad things about other people. James says, do not judge in the same verse. Now, the Greek word for this judge here, and I got to look up here because it doesn't always say it, is crin, which means, it literally means, it is, I, can, I, can, I can say that definition, that word, crin, that's really simple. But it, which means to separate, put asunder, to pick out, to select or choose, to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong, to pronounce judgment, to subject to censure of those who act the part of judges or arbitrators or arbiters in matters of common life or pass judgment on the deeds and words of others. Now, I know that's a, a, a mouthful. Another one, it, it, this is not to rule out civil courts and judges. Instead, it is to root out the harsh, unkind, critical spirit that continually finds fault with others. We call that a critical spirit in the church. They never have something good to say, right? They always have something critical to find wrong with the body of Christ or within the church. Oh my goodness, did you see what they put up in the church this weekend? Right? That's a critical spirit. There's nothing wrong with having constructive criticism if it's constructive. But if it's to tear down, is it good? <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Look at what Poole says. Who art thou? What a sorry creature, a man, a worm, that thou shouldest lift up thyself in God's place and make thyself a judge of one not subject to thee. Basically, when you sit in judgment on another person, you're saying, I'm God. Here's another thing. If you don't forgive, you're putting yourself in the place of God and you're still condemning, so you're still judging. That's what unforgiveness is. You're saying, I'm judge, jury, and verdict. And God's the only judge. That's why he says here, when you judge the law, you're not keeping him, but sitting in judgment on it. Then look at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Who is that? God. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, there's a difference between making judgments. We talked about this in Sunday school. How many of us make judgments every day? I like using restaurants, right? You go to a restaurant, you're like, oh, that looks like a great place. You go in there, and you're like, oh, that's not a good place, right? You just made a judgment. If you see a cockroach running by, my wife just shook her head, don't say it. <laughs> I'm going to just say this. I'm not saying the name of the restaurant because we live in a small town. But we ate at a restaurant and there were cockroaches crawling by. I'll just leave it at that. I didn't say the name. I'm, I saw that. <laughs> but that's judgment. <laughs> yeah, amen. You, if I find something crunchy in my food, I know what it is. 
All right, move along. She said, I went off the cliff. <laughs> but that's judge. We all make judgments about everything. The difference between this judgment and making judgments is condemnation. You're putting condemnation on them. You're condemning them. You're taking the place of God. And that's God's job. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and what? Slander. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Really, slander comes down to being offended and not forgiving. Because you can't let go what they did to you. They violated your rights. Can I tell you something? My old pastor used to tell me this. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you gave up all rights. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you gave up all rights, and you said, you're the one that sits in judgment. Does that make sense tonight? So you give up all rights. Slander basically is you're slandering somebody because they offended you. And the church today, not just in the church, but in the world today, people are offended so easily. You look at somebody the wrong way and you get offended. You say something wrong and they get offended. You don't support something and they get offended. We call those snowflakes today. I'm tr it's true. We get so offended by certain things, and it happens in the church. And when that happens, we get offended, we get unforgiving, we start to talk bad about that other person. So Jesus says right here, through Paul, he says, just forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Number two, so first he says get rid of slander. Number two, he says get God's plan. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James says we need to seek God's plan and will for our lives. Do you know the night that the night before, or actually, the, it was the was it the night of or the night before? It was it, when I was out in the parking lot when we candidated here. The night before, I went out and prayed for two hours, and walked the parking lot at Best Western, and I said, God, if this is not your will, close the doors. And I said, I'm going to put a fleece out there, God. If I get a good vote, I'll take it. But then I know I'm in the center of your will. Give me a unanimous vote. And it, and it happened, not because of me, but because God wanted it to happen that way. And I needed that. I needed that. Not, not say he's going to do that all the time, but you need that assurance to know that you're in the center of God. God will answer and confirm his will to you. So we need to seek God's will. I know, um, and I'm not going to say these individuals' names, but they were believers and they decided to move to a state just because of a movie series. They really liked the movie and they liked the way this place looked and they thought, we'll just move there. Not a good move. Pray about it. 
Don't go to TV shows to determine where you're going to go. We laugh about that, but Christians do that all the time. They make decisions without asking God. Again, you gave up your rights. You belong to Him. He's in charge. And look at me. He's not going to do anything that isn't going to be good for you. His intent is always good for us. It may be tough sometimes. It doesn't always mean it's going to be easy. But He does it to build us into the image of Christ. So first, He confronts the attitude that we can do whatever we want. How many of us know that we can't do whatever we want? Remember that he's going back to the issue of you kill and covet because you can't get, uh, you kill and covet because you don't get what you want. He's going back to the issue of submission to God. Again, verse 13, he says, I like this. Now listen, you who, you who say, he's speaking to the church, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. First of all, you don't even know if you're going to make money. And then, he, and then he says, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? Listen, you could die in a car accident, right? I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen, but it can happen. You, you, I better be careful with this because, pastor, <laughs> but you can. I'll give you a story one time. One of my old pastors, he had uh, some homeless people that came into the church and they came up down to the front and he preached the gospel and he had an altar call and four of them came forward, but one of them wouldn't come forward. And he said, today is the day of salvation. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. This is up in Tulsa. And that person wouldn't accept the Lord. And the next day, that person got killed by a train in Tulsa. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's what he's saying. Everything we do should be for the Lord. We need to know what God's will is. Let me tell you, even when you retire... I know some of you guys are retired. God still has a plan for your life. Start seeking him. What's your will for me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to minister to? And he can do that. We were, can I put you on the spot, Carol? Carol goes to Brahms. She was telling me, her place is Brahms, right? To minister. I hope I, hope I didn't give that away. But she goes to Brahms. She goes to, mine's Walmart. Man, we got church in Walmart. How many of I ran into Walmart just recently? I talked about that last week, right? I run into people from, and then we'll just sit there and have church right there in Walmart. And then my wife takes off, and I have no idea where she went because she knows I'm still talking. <laughs> She's here back there, so by the way. Proverbs 16, 9, I've always used this scripture in my heart. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but Lord, the Lord establishes their steps. I will make my plans, Lord, but you determine my steps. It's okay to plan. It's okay to say, I'd like to do this or do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But then take your plans to the Lord and say, God, is this your will? God's not going to stay silent on you. He will tell you what he wants you to do. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So the steps of a good man are ordered by who? If one scripture says the righteous man. So if you're born again, you are imputed righteousness. Jesus is right. You're righteous tonight. Wasn't that a big word back in the 70s? You know, I was born in the 70s, the late 70s. Some of you guys are like, I got kids your age, right? But it's true. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So your steps are ordered by God. 
That's what he says here, the psalmist says. And he delights in his way. So your steps are to the Lord. Do you delight in the way that God has planned for you? Second, he reminds his readers that life is short. And again, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Go with me to Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Look with me in verses 16 through 21. <clears throat> and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there will I store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of goods, things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. How many people do you know they build up all these riches? They, do, they build up all this stuff on this earth and their life is, goes by so quickly. Now, I know it's not a Christian band, but I like the Beatles. I just do. I like some of the old Beatles songs and stuff. You know, and I'm looking at the other day, the Beatles came out with a new song. Yeah. Ringo and Paul McCartney, right? And I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking of the song that he wrote, When I'm 64. Well, he's past that point. And he's at, the, he, he's at the end of his life, and I'm thinking, if he doesn't know Jesus, which we know John Lennon and George Harrison did not. George Harrison was, was a Hindu. And so they're not, if they didn't accept Jesus before they died, we know where they're at. So you can have all the fame, you can have all this accolades, you can have all the money, but when you die, you cannot take that with you, just like this rich man. So he says in verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. I love it. Uh, who was that that was sharing that this, this afternoon? I, I got to think about it. Somebody was sharing a, a testimony of, of their family member that when they were getting ready to pass. Rebecca was sharing a story this afternoon. And she said that, was it her mom? That when her mom was getting ready to pass, that she said, oh, I saw my mansion and it's got nine rooms and there were all these kids playing in it. She was getting ready to pass and she saw her mansion in heaven with nine rooms. And I drive by some of these houses and I'm going, how in the world do they afford these things? I mean, some of these, I saw a house the other day when we were driving. And, uh, and actually, this was not what states this. So I, when I went uh, with uh, Jesse, Rick and Sherry's son, to, to spend some time with him. And we were out there by Tishomingo, and there was this huge, it looked, it was like a mansion. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. God blessed them with it, and they're using it for good things and, and blessing other people. But listen, rust will destroy that. Ma, uh, rust, not rust, but rust and moth, isn't that, that's a new word, rost and, and moth, so, but it will destroy those things, I like sometimes, 
I used to look at old mansions from that they had found in abandoned places. Anybody ever watch it? They look at Al Capone. Remember Al Capone, a gangster? You know, he, he died of syphilis in prison. And uh, Al Capone's mansion is huge, and it's abandoned. All that money for what? What's important is to be rich towards God. Godly, contentment with godliness is great gain. And so James goes back to the issue here. He's saying, you need to check with God. What is his will for your life? Matthew 6, 20, Jesus says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Recently, we had some theft on our neighborhood. And they broke into homes. They broke in. I always locked my truck in my van. Well, this night I didn't. Well, they got into our glove box, but I think once they looked in our car and saw all these baby dolls and, 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 and blankets and stuff, they thought, well, there's nothing in here to steal. Of course, to my girls, they would have been. But, you know, but I, I think that the thing about that is, is the stuff that we have today, they can steal. The stuff that we lay up in tre our treasures in heaven can't be stolen. They won't be destroyed. It says it's kept in heaven of earth. It will never fade away. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. The things that God has stored up for us, I can't wait to see that mansion in heaven. Oh, I, I got to wonder what it's going to look like. I think God takes all of our personality, the things we like here on earth, and I really believe that those things that are good, godly, right, are going to be in our places when we get into heaven. I like mountains. Now, I know there is a mountain in heaven because it talks about Mount Zion, Right? I love mountains. Now, my wife, she likes the beach. Sorry, sweetheart, she just went, ah. Uh, because if you'll know, when they create the new heaven and new earth, there's no sea. But, man, I love mountains. Wouldn't that be great? God, I want a huge cabin out there next to the mountains. And, you know, you know heavenly angels and heavenly eagles flying by. I mean, who knows? It could, there, I believe there's animals in heaven. All my animals that went before me, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say they go to heaven. I don't know what happens to them, but that would be pretty cool. So God has bigger plans for us than we do for ourselves. God has bigger plans for us than we do for ourselves. We often have these big dreams, and yet God's got a bigger dream for us. Third, James reminds us that we should seek God's will, not ours. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I understand this is in the Old Testament, and this is for Israel, but I believe that God's word is true. The Old Testament points to the New Testament. And so what God says for them, I believe he says for what? Us. Look at this. But as it is written, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has great things in store for us. Hallelujah. Look at that. The things which God has prepared. Do you know God's prepared things for us? He's still preparing things. He's got things prepared already out before us for our whole life. I can't wait to see what those things are. It's like Christmas every day. Think about that. It is. Okay, God, what do you got for me today? 
How many of us think about that when we get up? Usually it's, oh, my, this is my morning, right? I get up, I decide I got to have my cup of coffee. Anybody have to have a cup of coffee? Yeah, see, there's a few of us. I go out there, I start the coffee, I sit down, I got to watch the weather. I have a root, I have turned into my dad. <laughs> I just realized that. I, how anybody ever turn into your parent and you're going, the very thing you go, what are they doing? And then you're like, oh my goodness, I've turned into them. And I got to drink a cup of coffee in the morning to wake up, and then I've been riding bike when it's not so cold outside. But how many of us start our day with God and saying, God, what do you have prepared for me? What opportunities do you have for me to share the gospel? We went out today, somebody blessed us with something today gave us a card a late card for pastor appreciation and we all decided Stacy and I thought the same thing at the same time you know we don't eat out very often let's go eat so we went to the Mexican restaurant next door and I don't speak Spanish I tried my best right uh, one of these days I'm going to learn that I, I've been praying that God help me with Spanish but what I did say was Cristo Jose yeah Jesus Cristo right which is Jesus Christ. And then I used a Christianese word. My wife says, you used a Christianese word, but there's a reason for it. I asked the waiter, are you born again? And he looked at me, and I said, I want you to go read the Gospel of John. Do you have a Bible? Go read the Gospel of John. Whether he reads it or not, that's called scattering and planting seeds. How about praying for somebody? Having a word for, we were walking through Walmart one day, and we were in the produce section. Stacy again, uh, I got to, it's mostly, it's me. I get to talking, and then she just wanders off, and then I lose her. I'm like the little kid looking for my wife, you know. And, uh, but God dropped this lady in my heart. And, and she walked by, and God told me to say something. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be weird, you know. I don't want to freak this lady out. And I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to talk to her, make her walk by me. Guess what? She came around and she walked by me. And I shared a word with her. And she started to tear up. Because the word that God gave me to share, remember that God's the one that does it. We just have to be willing to listen to what he is saying. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. She was a believer, but she was going through some marital issues. And she was really struggling. And she needed a word from God that day. Guys, even if it's not an unbeliever, God wants to use you to minister to other people. How can we know what God's will is for us? The first step is knowing what God's will is to live right before the Lord and renew your mind. Look at this, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove... You get that? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The way you get to know God's will for your life is you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and it starts with renewing your mind according to the Word of God. Worship, prayer, all that involves renewing your mind. Prayer is a form of a weapon. That's what energizes you. That's what gives you the strength. The Holy Spirit fills you up. So you want to know what God's perfect will is for your life? The acceptable will? The good will? Remember, His will is good for you? Renew your mind. You've heard me share with you that word transform is metamorphosis. 
God wants to take your old thoughts, because let me tell you something. Your spirit, man, it's been renewed when you got saved. It's brand new. But your mind has not been renewed. So you have to put on the mind of Christ. In fact, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, but you have to put it on. And you have to say no to those old thoughts and ways. Second, ask God, right? So renew your mind, ask God. God, what's your will for my life? What's your direction? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do this? And sometimes it may take a few days. Sometimes he answers quickly. Other times he, he takes a while. That's where patience comes in. How many love patience? I do. So that's my sister-in-law. That's her name, by the way. I thought that was funny, but <laughs> Stacy's like, why did you do that? Look at James 4.2. You do not have because you do not what? Ask God. Number three, third, submit your will to his will. Submit your will to his will. That was the problem with the, the disciples. They had an agenda. They were still confused after he died on the cross. They still didn't get it because they thought he was going to deliver them from the Romans. Look what this says, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. The only one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew 12, 50, Jesus says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How important is it to do the will of God? Sometimes doing the will of God doesn't mean it's easy. We think sometimes when we do the will of God, everything's going to be wonderful. And, oh, I'm in the will of God. And Sarah, Sarah, you know, and singing in the rain, you know, with Gene Kelly. Look in Matthew 26, 39. Go a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you what? Will. Fourth, listen to the Holy Spirit. If you have no peace, then don't do it. Right? You'll get an uneasiness about it. When I was getting ready to, I was going to join the Marine Corps when I was in high school. I might have shared this story with you, but I was going to join the Marine Corps. And I was close to joining the delayed enlistment program. I was, the, the recruiter had called me that week, and, you know, I, that was my desire. I, I, I was a wrestler in high school. I wanted to be a Marine. I even would participate with them. But I got an uneasy feeling. This is not, I just got such an uneasy feeling about joining the Marine Corps. Something just didn't feel right about it. I couldn't sleep for two or three days. When you can't sleep and, the, and God is laying it on your heart and you're feeling yucky about it and uneasy about it, don't do it. So I'm like, Lord, get me out of this. Well, he happened to call the day my dad was down there and my dad was in the Navy. Anybody know about that? The Marine Corps is part of the Navy branch, but they don't get along. So he calls and... I didn't know how to answer. I said, Dad, will you take this phone call? It's a Marine recruiter. My dad goes, I think he ought to wait until he graduates from high school. And the guy goes, I could hear him on the phone. And he goes, well, sir, were you in the service? He goes, yeah, I was in the Navy. And he goes, well, thank you for the call. See you later, sir. Click. It was that quick. Never bothered me again. And then I prayed, God, the one service I didn't want to join was the Air Force. 
And I said, Lord, if you want me in the Air Force and you've heard this story, Lord, give me a spirit-filled Christian recruiter. One week later, we got one. This can be known as the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. You get those inner promptings. Don't go here. Don't do this. This person needs prayer. Talk to this person. The more you spend time with Jesus, the better that will get. And I know we're getting late, but I want to share these things with you before we leave. Look at Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're born again tonight, you are led of the Holy Spirit. John, John chapter 10 says, and you've heard me say it before, His sheep know His voice. You would say, Pastor, but I don't know. Yeah, you do. You know His voice. You know, sometimes God will use your doubts to speak to you. And you may be, what are you talking about, Pastor? Let me give you an example. I was thinking about joining Central Bible College. I was on staff at New Life Assembly up there in, Tul in Owasso, in the Tulsa metro area. And I just kept getting this uneasiness about it. But I just kept plowing along with it. I'm going to go in this direction, even though I knew God was telling me what? No. The, the more you get closer to the Lord, the, no, the more you know when he's speaking to you. So I had all these, I started getting all these doubts about going to Central Bible College and the cost and how am I going to do this? And all these doubts keep getting louder and louder. Well, that Sunday in Sunday school, it was a complete, total different lesson than what Pastor ended up bringing up. Because one, one of the individuals said, Pastor, how do we know when it's God's will? And he goes, God will speak to you in your doubts. Well, I've been doubting that whole week. And I said, no, I don't want to hear this. But I knew it was God. So that Tuesday, I went to Insight, a Bible study I attended with a bunch of ORU students. And the lady that was there had a prophetic word, and that's when she said, why are you making this decision when I didn't say you could? You've decided to go to this college, and I said, no. You never asked me. So I had to go back to my pastor and say, hey, I unresigned. Will you take me back? So be careful what you do. So you're led, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. Look at John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. So the Holy Spirit will tell you the truth. He'll guide you into all truth. Finally, wait for confirmation. God will confirm his will for you. Paul and Agabus, and I don't know if we have time for this. Do you guys mind doing this next week? Do you guys want to do it now or go to next week? All right. We'll look at it next week. But we're going to look at Paul and Agabus next week. And Agabus was a prophet in the early church. And I believe in the prophetic. The prophetic's real. But we also need to test the prophetic. You've heard me. We need to be cautious about it. But it is real. The gifts of the Spirit are real. And God wants to use those in the church. But next week we're going to look at Agabus and what he prophesied over the Apostle Paul. You need confirmation. So I'm going to leave this with you. God will always confirm. You've heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it fits so well. We had a missionary and he came to the church, I think it was at, uh, at, at New Life, when we were at New Life. And he was 
struggling because he felt like God wanted him to go to China as a missionary. He said, God, I don't want to. He actually had a really good job. He was involved in ministry. He was not only making good money, but God was really working. God was changing lives. But God kept laying on us. I want you to go to China. As a missionary, he kept getting this prompting. He kept getting little nudges. And he goes, nah. Okay, he finally just said he was at a Bible camp with the kids. Youth camp. And he goes, all right, God, if you want me to go to China, you're going to literally have to write it on the wall. That afternoon, unbeknownst to him, the kids had taken a crayon or something and wrote on the side of the building that he was sleeping in, China. So when he walks back up, God literally wrote on the wall, China. If God wants you to do something, he will get your attention and he will tell you to do it. One last thing, God also has timing. God has timing. He may be calling you to do something, but he may have to do some training and preparation before he moves you into it. So the hard part's the waiting. God, I want to do this thing. Yeah, but, right? Like with me, I shared with you, God had to deal with some character issues. He's still dealing with character issues in me. Amen, right? So God has timing as well. So we will look at the rest of it next week. Let's pray. Father, maybe somebody tonight needs to hear that. I don't know. But God, I pray that we will take all these things that we know. Some of us already know these things and we just have to be reminded of them. That your plans for us are to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Father, you have plans that are beyond our wildest dreams. Sometimes they're going to be tough. They won't be easy. But it's all preparation. God, I pray for whoever needed to hear that tonight that you will speak to them this week, you will confirm things in their heart, you will remind them of what you have for them. Bless everybody here tonight as they leave these four, wall, four walls, these building, this building here, and go into the mission field as they're entering the harvest field. Give them divine appointments. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave on Wednesday morning, I have to take my daughter to Tishomingo for her dentist appointment, so if you need me, you can call me or call the church here or call my secretary, uh, Christy. But I've got to take her to a dentist. She's got a little cavity that they got to deal with. So uh, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. <laughs> Blessings. How are you doing? Blessings.